Hello, my name is Susie DeJong, speaker, coach, and author of The Untangling. And this is the Untangling series podcast, where we untangle our own unseen and unspoken chains that bind us to open up the way for us to experience more joy and peace and healing than we ever thought possible. So come and join me. Put on your comfiest clothes, grab a cup of something hot, or maybe even a glass of something bubbly. Put your feet up and let the untangling begin. Welcome back to the next episode of the Untangling Podcast. I'm so, so happy that you joined me here today. This episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking with a fellow RTT or Rapid Transformational Therapist, the lovely Rebecca King. And I really wanted to chat with Rebecca as I know that the topic that we are going to discuss, anxiety, is a massive one with many people, men and women alike. Let's face it, it can rule every aspect of your life if it is not under control. Rebecca works a great deal of her time, particularly with clients suffering with stress and anxiety, although not just that alone. If you have never suffered anxiety, then let me say from my own personal experience, you are very lucky. As Rebecca also knows from her own personal experience, anxiety can cause many flow-on effects, including but not limited to overthinking, catastrophization, loss of confidence and self-esteem and can affect all areas of our lives, work, family, personal relationships and most of all our relationship and view of ourself. Rebecca's process of assisting her clients includes helping them resolve inner turmoil, ignite resilience, confidence, positivity and self-trust in order to master their mindset and unlock their potential for personal relationship and business success. Rebecca is a gentle and caring person and can empathize greatly with what her clients are experiencing. And isn't that what you want when you are going through something like this? From the time I have spent with Rebecca since I met her, I would definitely describe her as my favourite TV psychiatrist, Dr. Phil, would say, a soft place to fall. But that doesn't mean she will fix your problems for you. That's not possible. Instead, she will walk alongside you as you work through it together, because that is truly where the freedom is. This is Rebecca's story. Hi everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Untangling podcast. As always, I have the most wonderful guest with me today because I really sit with who I would like to bring onto this podcast and let them share their gifts because that's what I'm all about is sharing. Why keep all this wonderfulness to ourselves when there are people out there that can really benefit from the gifts that people have. 
So today I have with me a beautiful lady called Rebecca Ryan, who I actually met, um, I think in 2018, maybe a little bit before then, when I studied uh, with Marissa Peer in rapid transformational therapy. And we'd met online and then I went down to Sydney to study in person with Marissa. So it was December 2018. I remember that clearly. And I got to meet this beautiful woman in person. And the reason that I brought Rebecca on today is because she is a real powerhouse in helping people probably, um, I said it to her, I don't want to pigeonhole her, but she works a lot with people who are going through different processes, turmoil, situations in their life that can cause or bring up stress and anxiety. And she is so wonderful at that. And I know that that's a really prevalent thing, having been a sufferer myself of anxiety. So I'm really excited to invite her on today. So thank you very much for joining me, Rebecca. Oh, Susie, thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm delighted to be here this morning. We we had a little chat a couple of weeks ago about what you've been up to and the work that you do, but I thought I'd really like to start with what began you on your journey of healing, because as we know, for most of us who become you know, practitioners or in whatever field of, of helping others is we normally do it for ourselves first. Mm. So what was going on for you at that time that you took this path? Right. Well, I'd always had an interest in the mind and personal development and always read a lot. Um, in my previous career, I was a teacher and I'd been through quite a lot. I'd did early childhood teaching and I taught like in preschools and schools. Then later on, my boys were little, I studied special education. So I did a master's in that. And then later on, I can remember my boys were 13. No, actually my boys were 11 and eight and my marriage ended. And prior to that, I'd been doing casual teaching and that had been working really well. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm single now. I better work full-time. So then I got a full-time job and it wasn't exactly um, within the educational system. So it was for a not-for-profit, but I still worked using my education training. So I had a job where I had to write training for preschool teachers and I had to go around the state and deliver it. And it was all about how to best include children with disabilities and additional needs. Anyway, so I was doing that for a couple of years and then I just got to a stage where my eldest was 13, he was in high school, he was going through a lot, um, he'd had some issues with bullying, I was away a couple of nights a week, um, not every single week, but some weeks my parents would look after the boys and I just found the job was very demanding, lots of travel, two youngish kind of kids, anyway, one morning I was in my 40s and I woke up about five o'clock in the morning. I woke up with chest pain. So I drove myself up to the hospital. And then, yeah, so they looked after me and everything. But I found out that there was actually nothing wrong with me physically. So it was just me responding to all the stress in my life. So, and that was actually causing chest pain. 
So then, yeah, so I got checked out by the doctor, chest working perfectly, you know. So then I thought, okay, something's got to change. Um, and then I did, I did end up finding a different job about three months later because I realised I just couldn't keep up that demand with all the travel and everything that was going on with the kids. However, I realised that I needed to do something different and that I wasn't completely satisfied and that I needed some additional help. So that's when I turned to hypnotherapy. So, yep. yeah, and then, yeah, I heard of Marissa Peer and I started studying with her and it completely, that was like the turning point that changed my life. So, Did you yeah. find it interesting that we... Well, maybe it's not all people, but that a lot of people that have that path like you did and I did, mm. that the first thing we want to do is share it with other people and help. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, I'd always been interested in the mind, but once I fully understand the power that we have within, I was like, this is absolutely what I do, what I really feel driven to do, called to do. So, and I know you've done other studies as well. So tell us a little bit about that because I, from what I understand, what you do, your coaching or practice is very holistic. So tell me a bit about the other things that you've got in your toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I studied RTT, so Rapid Transformational Therapy. Then later on, I did a diploma in Australia of clinical hypnotherapy that had some different tools and techniques in it. I studied NLP, so that's neuro-linguistic programming. I've also, yeah, done life coaching. So I've done a lot of a lot of different things. Um, yeah, different modalities. And I also read a lot and draw in other things as well. So it's amazing how much you learn from reading. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've always got my head in a book. So it's, um, yeah, you're probably much the same, Susie. Oh, I used to be, but I have to be honest, Rebecca, since menopause, I find it really hard to focus on reading. Um, so maybe I'm a bit more of a visual person now. I, I did notice one thing on your website about relationship counselling as well. Can you share oh, a bit about that? Right. Oh, yeah, I also did because I found that a lot of people were coming to me, you know, with stress and anxiety, but sometimes the biggest issue driving that was a relationship issue. Yeah, so I completely forgot. I also did the Cotman Institute relationship coaching. It's funny how you sort of forget all these. Yeah, I'm always learning something. So and interesting. So John and Julie Gottman. They're psychologists and they did studies into marriage over 30 years. So it's very much evidence-based about what makes a successful marriage or a successful relationship. So, yeah, so I did their relationship coaching as well. Just to, not that I actually see people as couples, I just see people individually, but it just adds to my knowledge base. So, yeah. What's your favourite area that you work in? Is there one particular thing or...? really empowering people really getting them to change their perspective so because when people see me whenever they come to see me there's always a problem they don't come to see me when life's going well they tend to come and see me and often 
it's kind of like the last hope for them. They've tried so many different things that haven't worked and then they go, okay, I really need to do something different. That's often when people come to see me and sometimes, um, yeah, it's been building up for years and years and years. So I really think that what I most love is getting down to the root cause of it and those inner beliefs and changing those with people and it changes people's perspective. And then they're empowered to move forward to create what they want in life. So, And where do you think these beliefs come from generally that, that people come to you with? Is it um, hereditary, society? What's the common sort of thread that you see with people? Great. Um, a lot of it starts in childhood. And so a lot of that's that conditioning, the way that we're raised as children, the beliefs that we get from our parents, also the beliefs that we get from school, from our peers, from our teachers, general society. But then not all of it starts at a young age. Like some people talk about everything starting in childhood and not everything does, in my experience, working with people. Sometimes people can have like a really beautiful childhood but it might be something really traumatic that happens in their early 20s or it might be life's all good and then they might be 38 or 45 and they get divorced and their world just falls apart and so a lot of things that go on with that um, might be infidelity or something and it just changes the way they view the world and how they trust other people and if they didn't know anything about it, if they were blindsided, they might feel like they can't trust themselves and their intuition and their judgment. It can be a whole load of different things, yeah. So one of the things I, I'm really interested in is um, the difference between men and women dealing with um, stress and anxiety we'll just we'll put that label on it for the moment but whatever that yeah. encompasses yeah. um I know personally because I've been a, a well I don't want to say sufferer um I've experienced anxiety all my life but I didn't know I had it because that was just the way I was brought up a lot of fear-based things for me and um when I realized it was a real eye-opener and I remember saying to my husband, why don't you get stressed about stuff? <laughs> you know, like, and he just said, what's the point? And I just found that so incredible. Like it, it was like a magic power to me that pe some people actually don't fall yes. down that rabbit hole. So yes. what's, you obviously you work with males as well, and I'm so glad that, that males do seek out help because that's so important to let that mask go of, you know, like mm. big tough guy, big strong, mm. I can handle anything because you can't. Mm. So what's the difference when men come to you in these situations? What do you see? So one of the um, one of the main differences when men experience a lot of stress, a lot of the time they will get very angry. So, and they, sometimes they come to me and they think they've got an anger issue or an anger problem. But when we go down, like and we dig beneath it, it's like a lot of stress and anxiety that's affecting them. And that's how they're responding to it with anger. Whereas, and women, sometimes like women will become very angry with things as well. So you can't pigeonhole it too much. 
but women are more likely, I find, to be more teary, more teary and upset and sad, whereas men tend to be more angry. So, um, and I've done some reading about it as well. And what actually happens with the hormones? So men tend to go into that fight or fright. So whether, you know, they get lots of cortisol and women do as well, we go into that as well. But with women, when women release a lot of cortisol in their body, we also release a lot of, the brain releases a lot of oxytocin as well. So then women will tend to go into that, like that tend and befriend kind of thing. They'll start looking after other people or they'll seek out support and want to talk about things. Whereas men, to deal with their stress, sometimes they'll just shut down and withdraw or they'll be really irritable and angry or they'll go off and play a game of golf. So they're out and they're doing something active. So... Yeah, so there can be differences like that. So how do you approach working with males then? What, you know, I don't, it sounds like a blanket statement, but what's the way for you to work with them to unpack all of this? Well, actually, I work with men and women the same way because I just see everybody as an individual. Mm -hmm. So they come in, we have a chat, we work out what's going on, what their goals are, and then, yeah, then we start unpacking it. Usually in the first session, I give them a little toolbox of skills and techniques that they can use moving forward for managing everyday kind of stress. Because when I'm talking to people, the thing is that stress isn't what happens to us. Stress is our response to what happens. So you can have, just say, a work scenario. You can have two people doing the same job, um, same work pressures, same boss who's in a bad mood, same, you know, same outcomes that they have to meet, same targets, and you have one person who's going, yeah, it's challenging, but they're okay. They're going, yep, yeah, it was a challenging day. The other person, they're still there, but they'd kind of like to be in a fetal position under the desk. So, and they're not coping with it at all. So stress isn't what happens to us. Stress is our response to what happens to us. So, and because we've got external stresses and we've got internal stresses. So external stresses, you know, it's the workload. It could be financial pressures. It could be demands of, getting up with a baby at night who's crying you don't get enough sleep like there's can be all sorts of things going on it could be aging parents you've got to look after as well it, yeah so there's all those external stresses stresses the things that we have to manage then there's the internal stresses so the things like our diet um the amount of sleep that we're getting, like if we're drinking a lot of alcohol or, or whatever, but also really importantly, those thought processes. So whether we're putting too much pressure on ourselves, whether we're perfectionists, whether we've got a lot of negative self-talk, like it's all those, all those sorts of things, whether we're hugely critical of ourselves, the pressure that we put on ourselves. So 
it's all those sorts of, yeah, those things with those high expectations, the negative self-talk, and also the outlook with life. Some people tend to be more optimistic and some people tend to be more pessimistic. So, and if we can be more optimistic and we build that resilience, then we can handle things that are going on better. And that's something that's not fixed. You can change that. So those thought press processes and the way that you view the world. So oh, that's it's all, so, it's all yeah. those sorts of things that go into it. So when I'm working with somebody, yeah, it's very much individual, but we work together and then, yeah, we do the hypnotherapy. We get down to the root cause of what's going on and coaching to move forward. Because I always think that people, I really think that what I do it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the hairdressers and they hold up a mirror behind your head and they go, oh, see, look at the back. It's kind of like when I'm working with somebody, I'm holding up a mirror to them and they get to actually see the subconscious beliefs that are driving their behavior and holding them back. So when they can see that, they get that aha moment. And once you've had that aha moment, you can't unsee it. Then everything, absolutely everything changes. So I think it's really my role to guide people to their own inner wisdom, that it's illuminating what's actually going on. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, you just can't unsee it once you know it's there. That, oh, such a beautiful description. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, yeah, it can it can be a light bulb moment. I know because that happened for me and I, I'm gathering it happened for you too of just this one moment and you go, well, that kind of makes sense. It <laughs> makes sense why I do what I do, why I continue to do what I do. Um, perfectionism. I'd like to touch on that for a moment. Mm. Perfectionism and control because they're huge things and we know from you know working as clinical hypnotherapists that it's a big part that um, can be really self-destructive uh, if you don't understand how it affects you. Can you just share a little bit about what you see with people and and maybe a way of changing their perspective about it? Mm. Well, I think a lot of that does start in childhood very, very often. So, and And it can be sometimes parents can inadvertently put a lot of pressure on their children. I mean, I can remember, and so many other people have this experience as well. You come home and you've got your test results. And I think one test I've done particularly well with something, got like 95%. And my mum was like, oh, what happened to the other 5%? So it's, and I have heard so many clients tell that same story over and over again. So I don't know that one lady I was working with, she did particularly well with the HSC exams when she was finishing school. And then her dad, and she was getting top marks for just about everything. And then her dad said, oh, what a shame. Like you didn't get a distinction for just this one thing. Other than that, you would have got all distinctions. So it's like. And our mind grabs onto that one thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and we just want to please them. Yeah, and it's just that constantly striving to be better and better and better. So, and just feeling that, okay, if I'm not perfect, then I'm not good enough. So that, yeah. So, and also the whole thing 
with control, but it's like wanting to wanting to look perfect, wanting to be perfect, wanting to have the perfect children, have the house perfect, have, and not let anybody see that we're just as human as everybody else. Like everybody has a bad day. Everybody will wake up sometimes and their face breaks out or they have a really bad hair day or the house is just a mess and you just can't keep on top of everything all the time. And these days, women, particularly men as well, but women particularly, we have so much pressure on us because you look back, whether it's depending on the age group that you're in. Like I look back at my mum and after I'm the oldest of four children, after she had me, she didn't work outside the home. Her work was inside the home and she worked very hard, like cooking, cleaning, having four children, like, you know, we're certainly well cared for, taking us everywhere. So I'm not saying she didn't work, she did, but she worked within the home. So these days, and like with our generation, Susie, and people who are younger than us as well, most of us have worked outside the home as well as inside the home raising children so and a lot of people these days work full-time and they're just trying to juggle everything so and sometimes there's not a lot of support from families because it might be that parents you know they might be in their 60s and they've got grandchildren but they're still working a lot saving for retirement so they're not there to help out as much or there might be geographical distances so there can just be a lot there's a lot of pressure and I think women often take that on that they've got to make sure that everybody else is emotionally okay so are the kids okay like is everything all right in their world not just the you know have they had dinner have they done their homework are they getting enough sleep but what's going on with them how are they feeling about themselves like the emotional I think women sort of are an emotional thermometer for the family so really checking in to see how everybody is and, you know, for their partners as well and, you know, how do I make this person's world better? What do I need to do? And so women are sometimes just just drawn out way too thin and that puts a lot of pressure on, a lot of pressure. But it, It's so funny hearing you say all of that because I did all of that um, and was happy to do it all, but when you look back now, I kind of wonder how I did it. Um, and no wonder I was always tired, but you're right. And there's guilt attached to it as well. You know, am I doing well enough? Um, and you know, when we talk about parents and beliefs and all of that, it's never about blame. It's about no. understanding because there's no, we all do what we know. And when we know better, we do better. So it's never about blame, but it's kind of like um, how could I not fall apart sometimes, you know, and that's okay as long as, as you seek help and don't feel like, you you know, don't feel guilt and don't feel shame yeah. because there's no point in that. Yeah. There, there oh. really isn't. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, Susie, that's exactly the approach that I take with people as well. When childhood issues do come up, I definitely say to them, this isn't about blaming your mum and dad so I mean I'm a firm believer that 99.9% .9 of parents do the best 
that they can at the time with what they know how. And they've come into parenting with all their issues from their childhood and everything else that's gone on in their life. Like most people want the best for their children and do the best that they can. So however, even though even though that's true, it could still be very helpful to acknowledge what happened. So, and for people to acknowledge that, yeah, if they were, you know, if they were four or five or six or whatever happened, that perhaps they were looked after on a material kind of level, but sometimes if their emotional needs weren't met and it's that childhood emotional neglect, that can play a big part. So, and I think these days, we're more aware of it, like with our generation and with the people who are having babies now, the next generation, um, probably more so there's more education about it than, say, when we were growing up or our parents were growing up. So, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my mother had Dr Spock book next to her bed. I can clearly remember it. I don't oh, remember. really? Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, we, we used to get told all the time your generation is so selfish and so self-centered I'm kind of going like who says this who my generation you know like it but that's okay that's yeah. you know like that's what was out there then back in the 60s and 70s and yeah it's all changed yes I love what you're talking about it's so important I hope people are really hearing this because um there's no point blaming others and there's no point blaming yourself. There's just that time to go, okay, I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to get support. I'm going to look at things and, um, you know, just understand it, process it, let it go, move on. We've we've got, you know, families around us, people that love us. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really important. And I wanted to ask you as a mum, and as a former teacher yeah. and a, a mum of two boys, how do you navigate your children through the challenges? How old are your boys now? Um, my boys are now 21 and 18. Okay. So they're, they're big boys they now. They go through challenges and stuff, especially with social media and everything that we didn't have. So oh. how do you help them hold their self-esteem and and positive beliefs in themselves and what's possible i i think a lot of it the seeds have been sown when they were younger so and i do try to get them to take a big picture perspective and to have that to ask themselves those questions you know is this going to matter in five minutes is this going to matter in five days is this going to matter in five weeks is this going to matter in five months is this going to matter in five years so sometimes you do have to have that bird's eye perspective and and really look at things um especially if you're getting too overwhelmed with a particular situation um I remember, and I can't remember who I was listening to, if I read it, if it was a podcast, this was years ago. And it was something along the lines of once children get to about the age of 14, they already know their parents' views on pretty much everything. They know where you stand on everything. And so from 14 plus, it's more important to be spending time listening to them. So I remember hearing that and doing my best to take it on board that you know and 
if you were to talk to my boys, probably they'd say, oh, yeah, mum's blah, 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 <laughs> always telling us things. <laughs> However, I do, I do do my best to try to do that. And also a really good strategy with older teens can be to read the tea leaves with them. So just figuratively reading yeah. the tea leaves saying, you know, in this situation, okay, this is what's going on now from what I can see. And if you do X, Y, Z, then ABC is likely to happen as a result. But if you go down this path, then this is likely to happen. So, but really putting the onus on them to take responsibility for what they want to do. So, and just the fact that we are older, we have more of an understanding about how the world works. So say for things like loans or finance or, you know, various types of things um yeah so letting them know things but then letting them take responsibility for their choices but that's what I try to do and also encouraging them and every day I give them a hug tell them I love them um tell them I'm proud of them encourage them with what they're doing so yeah do my best to do that anyway oh I'm sure you do what lucky boys they are and I, I don't want to get too personal, but um, have they had the father figure in their life as well or are you kind of the primary carer while they've been growing up? Um, no, they still have their dad Okay. in, okay. in their life. So yep. he lives like 10 minutes away. So, yeah. Okay. That's so, yeah, their dad is yeah, certainly active with them and they have a good relationship. Both the boys have a good relationship with their dad. That's great. And I know we touched on this, but you might be single. <laughs> and I said before when I when we were talking, I went, oh, my God, how could you be single? Look at you. <laughs> Not only are you gorgeous, but you're so intelligent and kind and caring. And I'm just going, all right, if we know of anyone down Newcastle Way, and I'm going <laughs> to be certainly hunting this out, look at this lady. Oh, that's the light. <laughs> I've probably that's embarrassed really you now, sweet. sorry. <laughs> that's really sweet, Susie. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to um, share links to Rebecca's work because, as you can see, what a beautiful soul. And, you know, if you're going through any challenges and you really connect with her, I urge you to reach out because there's always support for you. Sometimes it's hard to reach out, but when you've got someone on the other end like Rebecca who's just such a gentle, uh, beautiful soul and has a lot that she can support you with, then, you know, it's a no-brainer. So I'll definitely share links to all of her um, websites and social media and all of that stuff. Oh, Susie, thanks so much. And that's such a good point. It is can be so hard for people to take that first step and reach out. I had one man earlier this year and he told me that he first saved my website three years ago and he'd saved it and looked at it for over three years and then things had really reached a point where he thought, no, he had extremely bad stress and anxiety and then he thought, no, I've just got to do something and then just the change. Within a few weeks, 
just working together he said it was the best thing he'd ever done and he just felt so much lighter he was just handling things and you really get the ripple effect in your life I think that's what I really love about when I see that change with people because he was saying that it was different like he was in his 40s managerial position but he'd always been a bit ah. it just like be nervous when it came to talking to the general manager and he'd want to be really, really well prepared for any sort of meetings. He spent a lot of time making notes and then one day the general manager called a very impromptu kind of meeting and he just had to turn up and be there. But because we'd done all this work together, he just found it was different the way he was showing up. He had more confidence and he believed in himself. And when you've got that inner confidence and you believe in yourself, you haven't got as much cortisol going off. And then you can think clearly. And he found that the right words came at the right time and he could recall things, whereas before that was always an issue. But it was the stress that was inhibiting him and the way that he felt about himself was causing the stress. So, yeah, so he could shop like that. And then he also said that things had changed at home. So, and that before he was getting, like, really irritable. And, like, if his son didn't get up and get himself to school on time and you know there'd be just and as parents we all have these dramas getting our kids out of bed especially when they're teenagers and <laughs> it applies to me as well um and he was getting incredibly stressed you know and then he'd be saying to son, son come on hurry up blah 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 and taking him to school and getting there late and everything and then he just changed and he let go of that control and his son was late and he said, okay, well, tomorrow you better do a better job setting your alarm and let his, let his son take responsibility. Then his son started to, yeah, to do that, get himself to school on time and just the whole dynamics in the household changed just because he was changing the way that he turned up. So I love that because what you just shared was that when he could see clearly what was happening for him, his son probably felt more seen instead of just talked at. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Dad could actually see me. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's invaluable. You can't. Yeah. That's a gift. That's yeah. so beautiful. Oh, what a what a lucky man that he so, finally clicked on your website. <laughs> that, yeah, but he took that step because it can be it can be a big thing initially. Mm. to decide that yes I do want to go and talk to somebody and like whether it's zoom like because I do online or whether it's in the office here I am now but it's yeah it's certainly a big thing to take that first step yeah. so yeah I think that first step is the hardest and then it just all gets easier from there yeah you never regret the first step yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh thank you so much wisdom that you've shared with us. And I know there's going to be people there that are really going to, um, it's going to land with them. But they know that, you know, there is hope, there is help, there's support. You don't have to do this alone. We're going to have some fun now, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Absolutely. And I think probably most importantly, it's not just that there's help there, it's that it's easier than people anticipate. Yeah. And, like, change can be so much easier. And people have said to me, wow, if I knew that I could do this, I would have done it years ago. And just, yeah, how easy the change can be. It doesn't yeah. have to be hard work. Change doesn't have to be a dirty word. 
Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's a good logo, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to ask you some fun questions just to to wrap up. Um, And let's go. These are based on the Actors Studio, which is um, on Foxtel or something. I love these because they're just fun. So tell me, what is your favourite song? The first one. (laughs) So many favourite songs. But the first one that just popped into my head was a really, really, really old song. Um, It's I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Oh. I can't. That's Elvis, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I can remember being a little girl and my mum playing that on the piano. And that's just the first song that popped into my head then. It's just beautiful, yeah. Oh, I love that. We're bringing up memories now. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Do you have a celebrity crush? Yes. (laughs) Would you like to share? (laughs) Uh, Matt Damon. Oh, okay. Mine used to be George. Oh, it probably still is George Clooney. My husband oh, he's was nice too. <laughs> the Silver Foxes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what are you most proud of that you've achieved in your life? Probably two things. Can I have two? You can have whatever you like. It's it's hard just to have one. Um. Okay, absolutely, bringing my two beautiful boys into the world and being a mum and raising these two gorgeous young men. So, yeah, very, very proud of them. Um, And on a more personal level with me, I'm really proud of myself having this business. So I just think having a career change and, yeah, I've been doing this since started in 2017 so yeah and just doing something that I really love so that makes me really proud and you should be proud absolutely should be proud (laughs) if you could have coffee with anyone in the world past or present who would that be Oprah so I just think she would be fascinating to me and she's met so many people over the years. Um, yeah, it would be Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Secret guilty pleasure. Do you have one? Could be anything. I mean, mine. mine's watching, you know, reality TV. <laughs> Someone the other day said eating Nutella out of the jar. Could be anything. <laughs> a secret guilty pleasure. I I really don't like to um, hold guilt around my pleasures, whether it might be on a Sunday morning. Sometimes I might decide that I'm going to spend a lot longer in my pyjamas and I'm going to make some coffee and I'm going to spend a couple of hours reading. So to me, that's absolutely a pleasure, but... Yeah, I don't Not like guilty. to. I don't want to feel guilty about my pleasures. 
And like the other day on Friday afternoon, I went and had a coffee with a girlfriend and normally I'd drink tea or coffee, but on this day, I just felt like a hot chocolate and it was, I haven't had one for years and it was just the best thing. It was so sweet. It was so nice. And I just savored it. So yeah. So I'm, I'm very much about enjoying our pleasures and being in the present moment and really allowing them to soak into our soul and not holding guilt about it. I'm going to change that question next time. I'm going to take the guilty bit out and just put okay. the pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Finally, if there was a movie based on your life, who would you like to play you? You have a favourite actress? I don't know that I've got a favourite actress. Um, I don't know. Kate Winslet. Good choice. So I do like her, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of actresses I like, but, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd pick her. Thank you so much for today. I've had so much fun and you've shared a lot with people. I know that um, there's going to be people that hear this will want to reach out to you. And I think the important message that you've shared today is that we don't have to stay in the pain, that um, there is always hope and there's always support. You've just got to take that first step. So I'm really grateful for that and for you being here with me today and for allowing me <laughs> to tease you and have fun and get you out of your comfort zone. Well, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure this morning, Susie. I'm really glad. Absolute so, pleasure. And I look forward to catching up for a chat soon. Absolutely. And I will be sharing all the links to Rebecca um, so you can reach out to her in person and get to know this lovely lady like I have. So thank you everyone for joining us today on the Untangling podcast and I look forward to catching up with you again next time. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Untangling series podcast. I feel absolutely blessed to be on this journey with you. If you would like more details on where to purchase my book, The Untangling, I've popped the link in the notes below. Perhaps you may feel called to work with me one-on-one -on -one to support you in your own untangling. I would love that. I offer my services as a coach to walk you through this process in a unique bespoke program created solely for you because you are unique. Another one of my passions is offering my services as a keynote speaker. I do like engaging with others, as you can probably tell. If any of that is of interest to you, you can contact me directly by the links below or head on over to my website at susiedijon.com.au and I will get straight back to you, I promise. I love what I do and I know what my purpose is, to pay it forward and help others untangle and find their own freedom and joy. So bye for now and I look forward to seeing you next time.